0: It's Hollywood. what's up y'all It's miles the millennial the millennial who's actually not a millennial but technically still a millennial and this is millennials with a mindset the podcast where we tell you what you need to hear not what you want to hear today i have somebody who has made probably one of the most impact on anybody i know in this world due to his career choice just the field that it's in is so necessary so important. And COVID has only increased the importance of this. And I wanted to bring him on. It's my good brother, a mentor of mine, somebody I look up to, Eric Lusain. He's a powerful man. He runs his Lusain funeral homes. And, and this man is not only a business guru and legend in what he does, but he's also just an amazing person all around. And I think he has a lot to teach us. Eric, thank you for coming on today. Hey, I appreciate the opportunity. No problem, man. Well, first, I just want to, you know, get straight into the conversation. You know, you have funeral homes and looking at your website and following you for as long as I have. It looks like you have multiple locations across America, two, three different homes. Uh, Is that correct? Yeah. um, So when
1: I left Fisk, I moved to Cincinnati and spent 20 years in Cincinnati. Wow. And so we we have uh, uh, one in Cincinnati. We have two in Dayton, Ohio. And now two here in Birmingham, Alabama. Wow. So I wouldn't say across
0: America, but uh, <laughs> we've got five, uh, five funeral homes in Ohio and Alabama. Wow. So what got you into funeral homes in the first place? What, what made you choose it? Was this a family business or what? No, no. Um, it,
1: it is a long conversation. Uh, and I'll, I'll give you the brief rundown. Yeah. So I graduated from Fisk University in 1997, and I got recruited into Procter & Gamble. Hmm. Uh, when I was at Procter, I was recruited into research and development. Uh, because I, and I was a research associate in the healthcare division, hmm. so you know, I have a biology degree from FIST. Got you, and yeah, and so, um, then I uh transferred into marketing, into brand marketing in the healthcare division, and I spent some time on the Metamucil brand uh, huh. while there, yeah, and then I left. Uh, Proctor started a restaurant which turned into a catering business and then the catering business turned into commercial real estate development and Hmm. that might be a topic later on in the conversation about you know it was really commercial real estate that helped me get my start Hmm. Um, then from commercial real estate into I started a casket company and um the casket company is what brought me into the funeral home business. And uh, and now it just kept growing. Um, hmm. I saw the casket company being outpaced by cremation.
0: So that's what got me into funeral homes and crematories. Got you. So and that's a synopsis. Got you. That, that's a crazy story. Like, I don't know if they were able to keep up, but went from working in a career field in, in healthcare with Procter and Gamble. To a catering business, from a restaurant to a catering business, to a commercial real estate business, to a casket company, now to cremation and uh, funeral homes. Yeah, Man, did you see, so I'm guessing you saw a need when you were in that casket business and you saw it being outpaced. You saw that the real need was even deeper than just the caskets. It was in the funeral services itself.
1: Yeah, and, and Miles, again, my story is really weird. But when as when I mentor and when I talk to people, I try to tell them you gotta start doing something. And because if you don't start doing it, then it can never grow into what you don't even know you don't know. Hmm. So you gotta try it. And literally, no idea is dumb. You gotta try it and look for the other doors that, that are gonna open. So what got me into the casket business was you know i was in commercial real estate i had a storefront uh and the guy wasn't paying his rent hmm. and then my wife's her her grandmother passed insurance policy lapsed so we had to we paid for her funeral out of pocket hmm. and i remember watching this movie called uh employee of the month it had um i forget her name in it but this old lady was walking through costco uh, with a casket, she bought a casket at Costco, and I said, "Well, <laughs> hold on. Maybe I could save some money if I go online and find a casket for my wife's grandmother." Yeah. I did. I, I found a casket store, saved a thousand dollars, and I said, "You know what? I'm gonna find me some caskets, hmm. and I'm gonna start selling caskets." Hmm. And this, my storefront was in downtown Cincinnati, <laughs> so I put caskets in the window at a storefront. Wow. And then the news picked it up, and it went viral. And I started selling caskets in Detroit, uh, Indianapolis, Louisville, Lexington, Columbus. Anywhere within a 250-mile radius, I was selling caskets. Wow. And my goal was to sell one casket a day. I only marked them up 500 bucks. Wow. And you do the math. That's yeah. good money. Even yeah. even today, Yeah. Uh, it was good money. So that's how I
0: got started in the funeral business. Man. So what gave you this mindset? What I'm hearing... So many people would have missed this opportunity. What gave you this mindset to just be like, man, I'm going to try it. I saw an opportunity. I'm going to take it. I'm not afraid to try. Like, who just thinks, okay, I, I, I can flip these caskets myself. Well, you know, Miles, we
1: cut from the same cloth. <laughs> um, you know, you go to Fisk, you go to HBCU. Yeah. Uh, sometimes you don't have the, the best of things, but what they do teach you hmm. is how to hustle. Hmm.
0: And I, and I fact. don't
1: mean I don't mean hustling in, in a negative term, but you know I'm a, I'm gonna make a dollar out of fifteen cents. So yeah. one way or the other, yeah. it's is gonna happen. Um, and, and and you know I'm gonna do it ethically and legally. Hmm. But um, you know I, I will say it's in my DNA. And hmm. you know I looked at my, my my mom, my pops, my my grandparents, and their parents. We've all dabbled in real estate. We've hmm. all dabbled in owning our own business. And uh, we've all, you know, you know, I have a high tolerance for risk. Hmm. I, I rolled a dice um, hmm. and I need to probably, you know, as I'm getting older, I'm slowing down a little <laughs> bit. But I live my life like the game of Monopoly. Hmm. And you play a game of Monopoly for me. I'm taking it all if I can. Yeah. I'm yeah. cutting side deals and we following no rules in that book. <laughs> We're going to play house rules. Yeah. And, and that's how you got to live. And, you know, you know, um, the thing is, I grew up thinking that we were poor. That's how my parents raised me. Hmm. But the thing is, is, you know, you could have all the money in the world, but it could all be gone tomorrow. So I'm still going to be careful with what I got today.
0: Yeah.
1: And and so, I uh, you, you, you know, I just treat it like. Like, life is that game of Monopoly. You got
0: to be wise. And tomorrow's not promised. So hustle now. Yeah. That's, you said it. And, And talking about hustling, you are in the number one legal hustle in the world. I don't care who you are. There is no way anybody, people can try and avoid paying taxes. People can try and avoid marriage, divorce, all these other things. Real estate, they don't have to buy property if they don't want to, whatever. But the one thing nobody can avoid is the fact that they will die you know and and what i'm seeing is you put yourself in a place where you're in a need-based business and i speak on this so much to you know people my age is when you're trying to figure out what you need to do find out where the needs in your community or in your demographic are that's where your opportunity is if you can capitalize on how to you know make a good product or service that can help people in that need you'll be able to to run the table and it will really take you to the next level. And it seems like you found that out, you know, in your life and, and have capitalized and played Monopoly yeah. for a while.
1: Yeah. The, the thing is, is, you know, when you come out of school, you know, everybody wants that sexy job. Hmm. Um, you want to do what's, what's, what's sexy. And I try to tell people, it's not about what's sexy. Um, you, what you want to do, if you could find a doorknob business, just selling doorknobs, hmm. okay? Somebody need doorknobs. Yeah, <laughs> make some really good doorknobs, market the hell out of those things, and become the king of doorknobs. I don't hmm. care what it is. And, and you know, a funeral home business. It, you know, some people think it's sexy, but it's hmm. really not. I mean, hmm. like right now, I'm stressed beyond, uh, beyond. Words can't describe. Yeah, mentally where I am right now. Yeah. Um, You know, literally bodies are piling up, um, you know, families are grieving their grief. I'm taking home and I'm and I'm, you know, dealing with their grief. So I'm stressed as I don't know what. So it looks sexy when you see those limos rolling down the street, Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. That Mercedes uh, fleet you have. yeah, Yeah, that looks sexy. Yeah. But man, behind the scenes, when you got, you know, a room full of COVID bodies coming in. And you're trying to make sure you don't catch COVID and you keep your mom and dad healthy. You know, it's, it's stressful, but it, it, it is what I call one of those non-sexy business. But to your point, it's a necessity. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'll admit, when I opened my first restaurant, um, it was nine, nine months later, it was 9-11. Okay, oh, now wow. you're kind of young, so you're not going to remember this. But the economy was booming like crazy. Hmm. I had a restaurant. We're doing fine. And for nine months, I had a booming business. Yeah. 9-11 hit. Sales tanked like crazy. The next two years was hard. Hmm. And that those two years made me who I am right now. It Now I've lived through probably two or three recessions. Yeah you know, in the midst of one right now and I'm, and I'm not affected. Yeah. One bit. Yeah. And and, I know I feel sorry and I feel bad for those who are, but to your point, I am one of those who's insulated. Yeah. Um, and, and, and really we definitely got to find, you know, as we talk to uh, your audience, to you, you do have to find a way to insulate yourself. Um, you know, education does that. Um, you know, being employed at a, at a stable company, you know that does that, but obviously nothing's guaranteed. Yep. And and that's and that's what I mean when I say you know my pockets are are nice and healthy right now, but tomorrow's not promised. Yeah. And so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna take it for granted. I'm 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 I'm, I'm gonna be you know storing putting nuts away. Because yeah. you never know what's gonna happen.
0: Yep. That's <laughs> what you said right there is a different level of understanding and knowledge that most people aren't teaching us right now, man. And, and I kind of want to dive deeper into some of the things you've learned and specifically what you've learned during this time with COVID. What has COVID taught you about either your business, yourself or people in general? OK, so and I don't
1: I don't tell these numbers to a lot of people because my competitors, you know, the, the funeral business is is uh, is catty. It's very catty, but, um, so when I opened my Birmingham location, you know, my goal was just to do about 30 calls a month, serve 30 families. Okay. We grew to an average of 70 families within the first year. Jesus. Okay. Per month. Now this past year, it, it bumped up to a hundred. That's just in Birmingham, Alabama. That doesn't include Ohio. Now with COVID, this month I'm going to do 150 calls in one month, with only adding maybe one or two people. Wow! So what I'm what I'm noticing with some of my competitors, some of my suppliers, you know, other people in the industry, cemeteries. Uh, there's a whole there's a whole lot of th- different industries that are surrounding this the death rate has increased so much people's control systems are breaking down. Hmm. And what that told me was your system was never good in the first place. Hmm. You know, I, I, I explained to my, my staff, I know we doubled overnight, Yeah, but that told you how good the system was. Yeah that we could you know absorb the impact you know in march yeah in march when i saw uh tractor trailer load freezer trucks pulling up in new york i immediately built you know a 10 by 20 cooler cuz I, I, I knew it was coming yeah you know i built the cooler um i immediately ordered my second crematory because I knew it was coming. You know, I refused to have bodies laying around Hmm. uh, like those conditions I saw in New York. I refused for it to happen. And, you know, I praise God for people. um, I had a friend of mine, good close friend of mine, medical doctor. He went to to Morehouse. He Mm -hmm. called me one day and he just started grilling me. He Hmm. said, you know, what's what's your capacity for holding bodies? Um, How can you double it? Uh, he, you know, I told, how many bodies can you cremate a day? You know, he just started grilling me and he made me seriously sit up there and think about my business. And I got off the phone with him and I called and I started ordering stuff right away. Yeah. And uh, I had to call him last month and I said, man, I'm almost in tears. Thanking God for putting you in my life to, to, you know, not just sharpen me, but to hold me accountable to make sure that I'm being the best I can be, and if it wasn't for him picking up the phone and doing that, it, the story could be a lot different right now today. Man, uh, so again, my system was able to double. We were able, to, we're able to help more families. We're able to, you know, handle people's loves one ethically, uh, because of some forward thinking like that.
0: Man, that's and basically what you just said is. You had to learn and had to apply always trying to be at least a step ahead. And you also had to always focus on constant growth and having the right people around you, because if you didn't have those people in your life, if you didn't have the right staff in place, if you Mm -hmm. didn't have the right mindset, if all those factors weren't in place it wouldn't have worked out the way it needed to. And like you said, it could be a whole different situation right now. Now you've been able to grow your brand, grow everything. And, of course, mm-hmm. I, I know you would wish you wouldn't have to deal with this at all. You know what I'm saying? We, we all would. You ain't but you ain't at least you were able to make some positivity out of the situation to, to know that you can not only withstand the storms of an economy, but you can withstand the storms of a, a pandemic. And it'll probably never be this bad again in our lives. This is a a once-in-a-lifetime
1: pandemic, and I and I try to remind myself, you know, and giving myself hope, because right now, man, I just want to travel. I just want to lead a country. I just want a vacation, but I just try to tell myself and my staff that you know we just got a few more months to get through this. Yeah, Um, it's just just hang on because we are literally cracking. Yeah, you know, I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. Yeah, I've had staff walk out on me. It's just this ain't what they it's signed too up much. for. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, it's not what they signed up for, um, you know. And so all we can do is just, you know, just hang on. I, I will say this, man. It felt so good that um, I got them all vaccinated, got their first vaccination the other day, um, and, and and Miles, that was the first time in a moment, and we can go back to the conversation. But that was the first ray of hope I had yeah. that we can get through this. I felt this first sense of freedom. Like one day, you know, we can return the way to back to the way things used to be. Yeah, Um, because things are pretty bad right now. But anyway, man, let's get back to uh, to, nah, to, man, that's,
0: to, to to the to the topic at hand, at hand. That that's great, man. And just hearing that just emphasizes one how good of a leader you are because it is it happens to everybody. People are gonna walk out, especially in times like this when this is a lot on anybody's plate. You can't even blame them, you know. Yeah, but yeah. Just the fact that you are able to still keep things going, you're bending, but you're not breaking and you're going to make it through and you're going to see the other side of this, and it's going to be brighter days for everyone involved. And, you know, I think this is just a time to say to the people listening, like, I know this is a tough time for everyone, but Mm -hmm. hold on. Just hold yep. on because better days are coming. And before you know it, we will see the other side of this entire yep. time. And if you continue to do what you're supposed to do, just keep your head down, stay focused. You're going to come out of this so much better and so much stronger that life after this will not be able to break you. That's right. That's yeah. right. You know, my my
1: kids are uh, they're in high school. Some of their high school years are being robbed from them right now. Yeah. But um, I keep my oldest daughter. I just told her you're going to emerge from this so strong. Yep. I mean, you know, there's nothing that you won't be able to do after getting through this. Now I'm not going to lie. It's a lot of folks that's going to have some PTSD from this. Yeah. Okay. It's a lot of people that's going to need some therapy from this, but if you can get through this, there's nothing that can break you. Hmm. Nothing.
0: That's real. That's powerful, man. And So I'll tell you, I'll ask this question and then I want to, shift gears after I ask this question and go towards that commercial real estate topic. But sure. what is your advice for people my age, you know, young adults right now in America, specifically black young adults, um, but all young adults, what is your advice? And when you look back on when you were our age, in between the ages of 18, 25, and the thought mm-hmm. process you had then, what's something you would have told yourself then uh, that you know now?
1: Actually, this is going to take us into the real estate thing. Cool. So um, I bought my first piece of real estate my sophomore year at Fisk. It was Man, a you was family. ahead of the game, I swear. <laughs> it was a two it was a two family. Well, I, you know, I went to Fisk on a full ride just like you. Yeah. Um, you know, I but I, I had to pay room and board. Gotcha. So um and my parents had saved up ten grand for college. Uh, because they didn't have to use that ten grand for my tuition, mm-hmm. I took it and bought a two family. Hmm. at the at the time it was a, i was my first time purchase got a cheap interest rate parents co-signed i got some good folks they, they co-signed for me it's, um i renovated the apartment um so that it was a three bedroom two bath hmm. on both sides oh wow okay and then and instead of renting it out by the unit i rented them out by the bedroom <laughs> And, um, smart. I, I, I it's been, it's, it took me a while to match my margins on that property.
0: Yeah.
1: Elsewhere, because I, I, it was great margins.
0: Yeah. Um, by so the bedroom, a that's different.
1: Bit, well, not by the bathroom, by the bedroom. By the bedroom. Yeah. That's yeah. A, yeah. yeah, by the bedroom. And, um, uh, well, and because it was a deal for them because it was cheaper than living on campus at Fisk. Yeah. So it was a great deal. Yeah. And, um, you know where can you at the time get? An, where can you at the time live for three hundred dollars a month? Hmm. That's what the bedroom was. It was three hundred dollars wow. a month. You can almost you can almost pick and choose your your uh your roommates. Yeah. <laughs> um. But at, at any rate, um. So I was taking in nine hundred dollars on one side, six hundred dollars on the other side because I was living in one. Mm-hmm. So I was more than clearing my mortgage. Yeah. So, you know, to answer your question, right now, Miles, what are you, 22, 23? Just turned 23. All uh, right, you're 23 years old. I'm telling you now, I need you to be laser focused on buying your first piece of property. Hmm. I don't care if you're living in it. I don't care if you're renting it out, but getting into the real estate game, what it is, is your tenants are paying for your equity, Okay. You are essentially leveraging your credit. You're writing off all of the interest, so there's your tax write-off. Mm-hmm. Your tenants are paying for your equity. So let that sink in. If you start now,
0: yeah,
1: seven years from now, you'll be in. You'll you'll halfway be into a 15-year mortgage.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. Seven years from now you're, you're, you know, two thirds, you know, almost two thirds into a 30 year mortgage. Yeah. The way that property appreciates, uh, put, put it like this. My definition of debt is monthly payments on a depreciating product. Depreciating asset. Yeah. Okay. That's my definition of debt. So, you know, you can get a vehicle, but that vehicle, you know, you think that it's a product that's depreciating. Not all vehicles depreciate if those vehicles can make you money.
0: If they bring so cash flow.
1: Right. So you yeah. were talking about my Mercedes fleet.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, you know, that that fleet of Mercedes, they don't depreciate because hmm. I'm using those vehicles to make me money. Those vehicles make me money. Hmm. So, however, though, I can get it. I can go out and get a Mercedes. That's just, you know, going down in value that, you know, that I'm using to just, you know, go from A to B. Yeah. Um, and that's OK, because you need to be able to get to your job. But you need to look at everything and at the end of the day, hope that your balance sheet is appreciating more than it's depreciating. Hmm. Um. Now, in some cases, it's best to rent.
0: Yeah.
1: And I used to be against renting, but. I've been through enough economies to see some benefits of renting. But at some point, part of your portfolio must include real estate. Hmm. There's no way around it. Your portfolio must have real estate. It must have insurance. It must have stocks. And you need to have a job. Those four things everybody got to have. And you Man. think you can do it without real estate? It's There are some economies, yes, you can do it without real estate. But those economies look like New York, London, and Los Angeles. Yeah. Okay? And, and uh, if you're not in New York, Los Angeles, or, uh, or London, or Barcelona or somewhere, I'm telling you now, you need real estate.
0: <laughs> Man, this is... I can't believe this is a perfect conversation. So for the past few months, that's actually been my focus. So I've kind of built up a decent stock portfolio. I know how I want to invest and have my plans with it um, to keep growing it. I already have. I literally just got life insurance last week. Last Mm -hmm. week, just got life insurance. Um, Have a, a good paying job for my age have my business mm-hmm. as well that's bringing in income. And the, the mm-hmm. literally the main thing that I was looking towards is real estate. Just had a conversation with a, a, a new today um, who's a, a realtor out in the Nashville area
1: mm-hmm. and told
0: him that I wanted to purchase a duplex uh, uh, through an FHA loan. So, you know, you can yep. get the FHA loans 3.5% down and then yep. live in one side because you have to stay for like a year. Live in yep. one side, rent the other one out, get out of there, rent both of them out and just keep going. And keep going. That is exactly what I did. Hmm. Um, And then I
1: finally got out of residential real estate and got into commercial real estate. And that's a whole nother ball. Can you
0: explain what commercial real estate is to people who may not know? And the difference between residential and commercial?
1: Sure. Uh, There's a couple of ways around it. There's commercial real estate where you have corporate tenants. Hmm. That's risky. That is risky, risky, risky. Um, what I did in Cincinnati was I bought buildings downtown, uh, the, the market dipped really bad, so I had to rent them. Mm-hmm. Um, I rented them and my tenants essentially paid for those properties. Then I carved them up into condos and sold them off as condos. Mm. So... I cut that building up so many different ways. Yeah. That, you know, and it stayed rented because it was commercial.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, that, you know, now you definitely can't get a 30 year mortgage yeah. on a commercial piece of property. You do have to bring more cash to the table. Um, but there's ways that if you can show cash flow, you can do it. Yeah. But every market is different. Um, and I'm in I'm selling out of it right now. So I don't know where you are on getting a loan right now mm-hmm. But back then when I was doing it They would actually give you money at closing depending mm-hmm. upon how the property appraised like a, a credit uh, or, or a refund type thing They would give you money to develop it. Oh, wow. It was so crazy back then. This was before the housing bubble Yeah, it was crazy. Uh, I remember buying a property I, b- I bought a property for $150,000, mm-hmm. downtown Cincinnati. And yes, it was, wow. it was, it was jacked up. It was bad, but still, <laughs> uh, it was bad. It was, it was bad. It was bad. Uh, but I I took a plan to them and showed them how I was going to develop it. And I think when I went to and they gave me a hundred grand. Wow. I mean, it's, essentially it was no money down to I me. Mean, obviously you need some collateral and things like that. Yep. Um, but while you got this good job right now, you need to leverage your good job Hmm. and go buy some real estate Hmm. because with me being, um, well now I can, but you know, a decade ago, me working for myself and me not paying myself, uh, me investing everything I make back into the company, you can't get loans like that. Yeah. So the best loans I got was while I was working at Procter and
0: Gamble. Hmm. Because okay, they're looking so, at that as consistent, stable. This is for sure money coming in. Right, right. So you, there's a strategy
1: there, and there's no one way to do it. You know, we can't sit up and say everything I did was right. Did yeah. I make some mistakes down the road? Yeah. I mean, I remember flipping a house and losing forty grand on it. Oh man. You know. But I remember. You know, I remember when I made my first meal selling the right property. Hmm. So you know, you gotta. There, there are. You know, there's ups and downs and there's no there's no right one right way to do something. Yeah. Um, Like that's like me telling somebody renting is stupid. No, that's not true.
0: Yeah. It just depends on your situation. And man, that's really big, because one of the messages that I've been trying to push towards people because i see how our minds are starting to shift and i need people to understand that it's not as cut and dry as what all these instagram and social media influencers are trying to say man Man, they out here telling everybody screw jobs don't work this is that and that. go get your own business what people don't understand is it takes time to be successful in a business one two if you really want to be successful in a business you got to go the first few years without paying yourself at all putting everything in the first
1: few years yeah really like but but the thing is, is is It ain't for everybody. It ain't. Again, my wrist, my wrist level, my wife and I, we're just so different. Hmm. Uh, She balances me out. But like I said, Miles, I'll roll that dice. Yeah. You know, I, you know, I, you know, it's like a, like a friend of mine, you know, he wanted to start his own business. I said, look, man, if you, if you roll the dice and totally crap out, can you go to Starbucks, get a job with healthcare? Making fifteen dollars an hour, you know, downsizing to a one bedroom apartment and yep. getting healthcare at Starbucks. If that's the if that's your worst case scenario, yep. let, let's roll the let's dice. Do it. Let's go.
0: Let's go. Let's do let, it. Let's go.
1: But that's not that's not for everybody. Yeah. It's just it's just not.
0: Man, it's crazy that you're saying that. That's something I, I follow Gary V, man. I don't know if you know who Gary V is, Gary Vaynerchuk. A uh, multimillionaire investor, all this different type stuff, motivational person. But he says this to young people all the time. He tells them like, first off, go for what you want. It's about what you're willing to sacrifice in that time when you're grinding to have it. Like, yeah, maybe if you want to still keep your ten thousand dollar a month lifestyle you can't take that road but if you're willing right. to cut that down to a two thousand dollar a month lifestyle get a yes, sell that car get something that just gets you where you need to go That's right. Get a get a cheaper rent on your go to a, a small yep. apartment whatever you need yep. to do house hack or, or live with friends if you're willing to do that then there's no opportunity that you can't go achieve it's about what you're willing to put up what are you yep. willing to, to to let go of and sacrifice in order to get to your goals? And people really need to hear that from people who've done it. And that's why I love having you on today because you're saying it like, look, it's going to come with some consequences. You can't yeah. do all, everything over here and think it's not going to affect the stuff over here. Everything comes with it. You may not be able to go out and eat 10 times a month. You may have to eat that ramen and, and cook them groceries. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> but right. But You have that's to right. take that chance and ask yourself, are you willing to sacrifice to gain what you want in life? That's right. What is it? Uh, a short time of pain for a lifetime, lifetime. of... Lifetime. Lifetime of right. prosperity and gain, man. That's it. That's, that's powerful, it. man. Well, Eric, I really appreciate you coming on today. We're running out of time. This was amazing. I got to get you on for a part two when things calm down. Look, when, yeah, you start, when you start When you start traveling, you go on vacation, let me know because I'm trying to come with. <laughs> man, hey, come on. Let's go. I'm
1: telling you. Because I, I mean... Like I said, I'm waiting for on my my second vaccination. Bet. Two weeks after that, I'm on a plane somewhere. <laughs> let's do it. I'm excited. Somewhere, somewhere. Hey man, let's catch up, man. This was great. You Appreciate I'll contact the opportunity. you. Man,
0: okay. Love you, brother. And uh, for yo, everybody yo, listening, yo. this is Millennials with the Mindset, the podcast where we tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. I'm Miles, the Millennial. Change your mind, change your life. It's how you live. If you wanna blow it